Blessed is the woman, blessed is the man who realizes how good they have it in the moment they have it. This is good, right? Like, does it, it doesn't get any better than this, right? Just God, right, moving, God, saving, God, transforming. It's like, oh, man, we could use this. There's two times in the, the New Testament where Jesus is recorded as being shocked, amazed. Like, it, it, it's recorded in such a way that Jesus literally, I mean, you could do the translation was like, no way. No way. That didn't just happen. And you got to think, I, I, was, I was just kind of thinking about it over the last couple weeks. Um, what in the world would shock Jesus? I mean, he's seen it all, right? Like, you can't take him to some, like, incredible place here on planet Earth, like Grand Canyon or the peak of whatever mountain, because you'd be like, eh, yeah, yeah, I made that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Appreciate, I appreciate you're kind of, like, impressed by it, but I made that. Um, you think about all the history of just humanity up to that time, like, what, what would shock Jesus to the point he would literally say it out loud. Like, what? Two times he was shocked. And, and if you know what it is, you can write it down and don't, don't give the answer right now. You, you can show people later and feel good about yourself. But um, twice, twice he was shocked. Twice. So one of the stories is in Luke 7. Jesus heals a centurion's servant is what it says right there at the top. It says this in verse 1, that Jesus entered Capernaum, and there was a centurion who had a servant that was sick and at the point of death, and who was highly valued by the centurion. And when the centurion heard about Jesus who was healing people, he sent him to the elders of the Jews asking him, Jesus, to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, saying, look, Jesus, this centurion, he's worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he's the one who's helped us build our synagogue. So this centurion was like this guy who was, who was open to God, believing God, following God, and, and yet even wasn't part of Israel is a nation, what you would say, the family of God. In fact, he's a Roman of all things. And they're saying, no, 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 you got to heal this guy's servant. Like, he's in. And so Jesus starts to go with them, and he's on the road, it says. And he wasn't far from the house at this point, and the centurion sent friends. And he said to him, the friend said to him, hey, hey look, the centurion is saying, Lord, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I don't presume to come, presume to, come to you. But say the word, just say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, I say, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he, he's like, ah, all right, no big deal. No, he went, no way. He was amazed. He was shocked. He marveled. And he turns to the crowd that's following him. He's like, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. 
And when the servants who had been sent or the friends who were sent to Jesus returned to the house, they found the servant well. Jesus, one of the times he was shocked was when somebody's faith was so amazing. They said, you don't need to come. I, I don't need you here because that's not the thing. It's you. It's who you are. It's your word. It's your authority. Say it and it's going to happen. I don't need a bunch of other frivolous stuff. I know who you are, and I believe in authority and power. Say it. And Jesus is like, who does that? That was the first time Jesus was shocked, was amazed. The second time is found in Mark chapter 6. And it says this, Jesus came to his hometown in verse 1, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And, and what is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and, and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are, are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own household. He said, no way. I can't believe this. I cannot believe what is happening to me right now in this moment. I can't believe it. And it says... He could do no mighty works there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled at their unbelief. He said, no way. No way. And the family of faith, the ones who have the scriptures, the ones who have all the stories out of scriptures of faith, and they have the Messiah who they've been praying for standing right there in, the, in their midst, and they have no faith. Because they think they got the answers and they think they got it figured out and how it's supposed to all play out and there's just no way that it could be Jesus or just too smart. And Jesus is like, what in the world? A group of people who claim to have faith but have none. We're in this series on just one more. And... Uh, it comes out of that last moment of Jesus' public ministry when he's shouting above the noise in the, in the temple, trying to reach just, just one more. And if we're going to reach one more as a church, we need faith. We need faith. If you, if you had Jesus come and sit next to you in this room, and he looked at you, and I think like we all could imagine Jesus looking at us and literally reading us in that moment. What, what would he say? What would we know to be true about our faith in Jesus? Would he be amazed by our faith? Would he be amazed by our lack of faith? Would he just kind of look and go, Nothing. If we're going to reach one more, we need faith. We need faith. 
if we're going to reach one more, it, this last year was brutal. Everything's shut down. You got global pandemic and all the nastiness that came with that. You had the election and all the nastiness that came with that. You had the social upheaval, all the nastiness that came with that. Everything's kind of down, died down. There's still the political nastiness. And, and now we're, we're right here and we're kind of out of it for the last couple of months and it's been nice. We're taking a deep breath. This is probably the most people that have been in this room since over a year ago. Like, look around. I mean, this room's packed, even the first service. Like, we got through it. But uh, let's just say, for argument's sake, um, what comes next. Let's look at the future here. Because what happened is we all kind of pulled back. I mean, the stats don't lie. It wasn't even just our church. It was churches across the nation. Everybody pulled back because it was scary. And, and we didn't know. Like, nobody's blaming anybody. Nobody's pointing fingers. I mean, I felt it. It was like, I don't know. I'm going to go hide in my house. Like, this is scary stuff, all that was going on. But now we're out of it. And I want us to think about something. Now that we've been through it again, and, and I want us to just kind of project out and say, okay, hey, look. Let's look out 10 months. Let's look out, uh, you know, till next May some time, right? And let's just project. And let's just kind of think about what's going to happen here over the next 10 months. And this is going to be really pessimistic. So kids, uh, ask your mom and dad what pessimistic is, but uh, you may get scared here in the next second and you'll understand what pessimistic is. Um, so let's say it gets worse. Let's say it goes back to a strict lockdown. Let, let's say it goes back to shelter at home. Let's say the economy just keeps going, inflation keeps going, or it just finally hits the cliff and it goes over and, and it tanks. Let, let, let's say everything starts to get worth with, uh, worse in terms of purchases and delays and, and what we want to get and how long that gets uh, pushed out. Let's say the political side stuff gets even crazier. Let's say the anarchists go even more crazy. Let's say CRE, CRT and the, the sexual politics, they all get even worse. China invades Taiwan. Turkey builds its caliphate. The Browns don't win the Super Bowl, and well, I'm just talking about what could go wrong, right? I mean, think about it. You think about all this stuff. Are, are we okay with another year of just retreat as people of faith, having gone through it, knowing kind of what could come? Are we okay with withdrawing and retreating as men and women of faith? Are we okay with, we come in May and Jesus looks at us and he's like stunned at our lack of faith. Like plan ahead right now, guys. Plan ahead the next month. Plan ahead through the, through the fall. Plan ahead through the winter. Plan ahead through the spring. Are we okay with Jesus coming in and going, what in the world? Shocked. As if we were surprised it could get hard again. Or do we want Jesus to come here next May, having maybe gone through hard and maybe doesn't get as bad, but he comes in and he goes, oh, snap. Look at this church. Look at the faith. They were ready. We need faith, folks. We need faith. Right now, people are, are desperate for peace. They're desperate for love. You keep hearing us talk about this. They're desperate for a hope. 
They want true love. They just like to be in a relationship where they're not scared that they're going to get either canceled, attacked, or just blow up at somebody. Like, there's just a sense of all the chaos and all the anger that's going on. I mean, as I'm listening to podcasts and, and leaders and Christian leaders, they're saying right now it, it feels like there is something going on where people are wanting to find God, encounter God. They don't really want an argument. And logic will come. They, they've got questions. They just are like, please, can you just get me into a place where I could actually experience peace and hope? And I could actually be accepted? And we're the people of faith, right? We're the people of faith. We're the ones with the relationship with the God of the universe who all he has to do is speak one word and he can create a universe. And so by faith, we just declare in the name of Christ, he hasn't met his match. He is yet to meet his match. He'll never meet his match. Right? And you, here, here's the thing to add on to that. So you got all that's going on with culture. Then imagine all the people that are just coming out of brokenness and the families and what's going on. You hear some of the stories and you see what people are running to and what's happening to people. And in the middle of that, that that's all going on as well. And so we as a people of faith, we got to start thinking ahead and we got to by faith even now and start to do this day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. And we just declare God is more powerful. He's more powerful than any pandemic. By faith, we declare he's more powerful than abuse. By faith, we declare he still heals people. He still is on the move. Like, that's what we declare. So when you find yourself getting ticked off and filled with rage, are you filled with faith in that moment? Check yourself. Check yourself, right? When you're overwhelmed, wait a minute, I am a daughter of God. By faith, I will stand and I will not be overwhelmed because him, he can do this. When you're filled with fear, check yourself and go, okay, I won't watch the news again. When you're filled with rage and you're burning up your keyboard, check yourself. No, I am a person of faith. When you find someone with, with, with pain, you are the person, they're going to hold on to your faith. You need to be ready to go, no, I am a man of God. I'm not going to be some wimp. I'm not going to be quiet. I am a man of God. Let me pray for you. I release peace, right? You can do that as a man of God. You can do that as a daughter of Christ. We're the people of faith. We say by faith one more. Just one more. And when we see anarchy, we just start saying it. In the name of God, one more. I don't care what I see. I know the power of Christ. And he's moving in the middle of that anarchy. I don't care what I'm seeing in Washington. I am a man of God, and I know what he's doing behind the scenes in people's hearts. And I declare victory, and I am praying for them. We're just not of this world. We're people of faith. I just want, I want Jesus to come here in May and go, fresh water lived by faith.
He breaks 30-year addictions. He, he leads people out of a bruise to heal them. I mean, Jasmine's halfway through a master's at Case Western. That's God. That's God. Just one more. Just one more. We have to be people of faith. I invite the team to come up. We're going to sing this song. It's, it's Waymaker, right? It, and it's all this song of God. You are this. And it just builds faith. And if your faith is weak right now and it's shot to pieces, don't sing it. Just pray to God and say, okay, God, just fill me with more faith. Renew my faith. Renew my faith. I believe that, but my faith is just in shreds. I just, I doubt, I wrestle, I have fear. Let him restore your faith. And if you're at a place of strength, then declare it. Declare it. Even pray for people around you. As you're singing, you can do that. That's legal. Pray for the people around you and say, God, would you make a way for them? In the middle of worship, make a way for them. Don't just think of yourself. Think of others around. Let's see what God even starts to do. More stories.